fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So how do we win? How do we actually do what we believe? How do we take on the worldviews we discussed yesterday, those seven deadly worldviews? Well, part two of that conversation, the Ten Commandments of Political Warfare, coming up next here today on the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know, there's a saying in business, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. And now the rapid pace of business, it's hard to keep up with those numbers. Can you afford to expand? Can you make that new hire? Can you launch a new ad campaign? How's revenue pacing compared to last year? Now, most companies don't have a clear picture of their finances, so they make business decisions without that critical information based on their gut or worse, their fear. And that's why many businesses fail. Serious entrepreneurs and finance teams run on NetSuite by Oracle. This is the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite offers a full picture of all of your finances all in one place in real time right from your phone or your desktop. So you don't have to guess anymore. And that's why NetSuite customers grow three times faster than the S&P 500 and you can too. Schedule your free demo right now and receive their free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits at NetSuite.com slash bag. Set up your free demo and get your free guide today. NetSuite.com slash bag. Back here on the Glenn Beck Program, I am Steve Dace. Totters and Aaron McIntyre are here with me as well. We are the crew from the Steve Dace Show on Blaze TV, radio and podcast each weekday right after Glenn Beck, filling in for Glenn here these final two days of 2019. We got a ton of great reaction uh, to yesterday's show uh, about the seven deadly worldviews. I I probably spent the last half hour or so uh, last night before I went to bed trying to answer as many of those as we could. Uh, The most uh, frequent question I received is, hey, can can I get a further breakdown of those in written form? And I should have mentioned this during yesterday's program. I totally forgot. Um, I wrote a book back in 2016. Glenn was very kind here to profile it on the show, which helped us sell a lot of copies, by the way. Um, It's called A Nefarious Plot. Uh, You can still order it over at Amazon.com. But a lot of those seven deadly worldviews, in fact, all of them, are broken down in greater detail. If you want to learn more about those, uh, you can get to the book. It's called A Nefarious Plot. There it is on our shelf. Thank you, Aaron. Of course, we have a radio audience of 500 stations across the country. They don't know that. And I got to remember that, all right, because we're used to doing a TV show. So, again, if you're listening to us on one of those 500 radio stations across the country, go to Amazon.com and get a copy of A Nefarious Plot if you want to learn more about those seven deadly worldviews. If you want to learn more about us, and why wouldn't you, of course, uh, blazetv.com slash dace is how you can watch our show every day uh, here on Blaze TV. You can also subscribe to our podcast. Just look for my name, Steve. That's easy to spell. Dace, not so much, though. Uh, It's a D-E-A-C-E. Steve Dace, search for that on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, etc. You can also search for us on Facebook. Search our YouTube channel as well. If you want to get some highlight clips of our Blaze TV show, uh, you can listen to us live each day on Blaze Radio as well uh, from noon to 2 Eastern right after Glenn Beck. So yesterday, we, we, we spent part one looking at the landscape that we're called to engage. What are we up against from a belief system, from a worldview standpoint? Today, we're going to be more practical. How do we advance what we as conservatives actually believe? How do we conserve? 
Because that's what it means to be a conservative, to conserve. So how do we conserve that which has proven through the course of history to be what's best, right, true, and beautiful for the human condition east of Eden? How do we do that? And five years ago, I I wrote a book um, called Rules for Patriots, where I kind of laid out everything I had learned um, from my own time. I think what makes me a little bit more unique than a lot of people that do conservative media shows is I've actually worked and been involved in kind of the technocratic nuts and bolts side of politics. I've worked on campaigns. I've recruited candidates. I've consulted with campaigns. I've done strategy for them. And, and so I've, I've kind of got a foot in, in both sides here. You know, the big idea, you know, uh, philosophical worldview side that we focus in on often in conservative media, but then the nuts and bolts side, you know, when, when we have candidates that represent our values and they run for office, how do they get from point A to point B? How do they, how do they run on these themes? What does that look like? And so I wanted to put together um, kind of a compilation of, of the best things I've learned over the years. And I wrote this book called Rules for Patriots that was published uh, about five years ago and was endorsed at the time by a who's who of people in, in conservatism. I, I don't know that you're going to find too many books that get the endorsement of Mucky Mucks at the American Family Association and Freedom Works and, and um, you know, uh, you look at uh, Donald Trump endorsed the book uh, at the time uh, when he was thinking of running for president. Newt Gingrich endorsed the book at the time. I mean, it, it's a pretty diverse cross section of of people and uh, involved on the on the right who took a look at the book and were willing to endorse it for their audiences. And I've done a lot of talks and meetings about the book and stuff uh, over the years. But when I when I found that. You know, I, I thought this stuff was good because I've done it and then I've seen it used against me and done by others. And when I got final confirmation that I thought we were on to something is I got a, I got a call one day from a guy named Sam Nunberg. And it was July of 2015, so several months after the book came out. And we had just had an event here in Iowa. That's where I live. I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but I was born in, in here in Des Moines, Iowa, and that's where I raise my family now. And so I've been that's one of the reasons I'm so heavily involved in the technocratic side of politics is the Iowa caucuses. I've been heavily involved in that for a few cycles now. And I worked for the Ted Cruz campaign this last go around. And I got a call from a guy before I had declared for a candidate and decided which candidate I was going to support slash work for in this last cycle. Um, one of the campaigns that was interested in me was Donald Trump's. And the day before, we had had this massive event carried by C-SPAN. I co-emceed it with Frank Lentz of Fox News, where 13 presidential candidates were here giving their pitches, spiels uh, to a, well over 1,000 activists here for the Iowa, conservative activists, activists for the Iowa caucuses. And I was, I was standing backstage um, to be essentially closed, for lack of a better description, by Trump to, to come on board. And um, I still wasn't 100% sure I could do this, you know, um, but I was going to certainly listen to the, a pitch of a guy of this magnitude. And Todd, you and I, that whole summer, were like, yeah, we see the Samson bull in a china shop potential, but can we really, 
That's a pretty big worldview leap, right? We had how many of those conversations behind the scenes you and I had that summer as you kind of just being a sounding board and, and, and your willingness to ask because, because my ego wanted all in on this. Okay. But you were willing to ask a lot of the kind of the larger picture questions kind of helped me keep my ego in check. And so we did a lot of game theory with this and how it would look. Right. And, and so I'm standing there backstage and Trump's being uh, interviewed by Frank Luntz. And he talks about how, um, that was the moment when he said that uh, when John McCain's name came up, and I'm, I'm no fan of John McCain as a politician anyway, uh, certainly appreciated his service to the country. But as a politician, um, he hated people like us. I just detested conservatives. So I, if, if, you're, if, if, if I think you're going too far in criticizing John McCain, that's probably too far. And when he said, you know, I, I like soldiers who weren't captured and the, and the groans in the crowd. And several of the other things he said, and I'm like, I, there's no way I can, I can, at least not in a primary, when there's so many other conservative candidates whose records are proven, there's no way I can do this. And we were actually doing a live show uh, for a national right. radio network that day, and I was breaking, you were, you were hoping, helping to co-anchor the show when, when I was doing my right. MC events. So I was coming back and forth from the stage to our stage, right? And I came back, and you guys were like, hey, that was fast. I'm like, I can't. It just can't happen. You guys watched what happened out there. I can't, I can't get on board with this, you know? So the next day, my wife and I are at a, going to a movie after church, and I get a, I've got a voicemail. It's from a guy named Sam Nunberg, who at the time was essentially Trump's political um, operator, ran, was running Trump's political machine. And he said, hey, um, I'm, I'm, you, know, you need to see this uh, article I just ghost wrote for Trump for USA Today about his comments about McCain. And so he sent me the link, and I read the link, and it was titled, I Will Not Apologize, I think is what it was titled. And he just refused to accept the premise that John McCain was an unassailable figure. And, and he even went so far, he even reversed the premise and went so far, Trump did in this piece that Sam Ghost wrote for him, to claim he's done more for POWs over the years than the former POW John McCain. I'm, Amy, I, I'm, I am, Amy is reading this to me while I'm driving home from the theater, and I am just incredulous, okay, at the chutzpah, right? And I called Sam back, and I, and I thought, you know, Sam and I are still friends. And I thought this, I thought there was a chance, though, this might be the last time we were ever going to talk. Because a lot of times in politics, people are your friends when they need you or you have something they want. And then when you don't anymore, they're not, you know. And I was like, uh, bold strategy, Cotton. All right. Nice knowing you. <laughs> There's that, this has no chance to work. And then he stopped me dead in my trash. He goes, I'm really surprised. I just used the tactics out of your own book. When I ghost wrote this, this, you should have recognized these tactics. You should have appreciated them. It's right out of rules for patriots. So a week later, I was convinced Trump was toast as a candidate. A week later, I called uh, the guy running his Iowa campaign named Chuck Laudner. Figuring maybe him and I might figure out, you know, because I'm about to decide who I'm going to support. Maybe we'd figure out we'd support the same person. And he's like, Steve, I, I, I was about to walk away from this like everybody else. I was offended at what he said. But we are, I'm, I've never gotten more response from an audience around the country. I've got military people who are, who are sending us notes telling me, I don't even like Donald Trump. I am just so glad that finally someone said something they really think and didn't freaking apologize to the media that hates us for it after, afterwards. I didn't even like it. I didn't even agree with it. I thought it was appalling. But it's not nearly as appalling as, as the lies and fake news that the media that hates him and hates us feeds me every single day. 
that the only reason I think government's too big under Obama is I'm a racist. The only reason I think a, a child is better off with a father and a, and a mother is I'm a homophobe. The only reason I think the border ought to be cons- secured is I'm a xenophobe. I'll, I'll take his appalling over that any day of the week. And it stopped me dead in my tracks. And you and I had conversations about this at the time, too. Sure. And thought maybe, maybe, well, I had two responses. A, there's, there's something different going on out there than we anticipated. And B, holy crap, this stuff in this book works. I mean, I thought it worked. All right. But to see it played out and tried out on such a large stage was kind of the final confirmation. And, and that's why today what I want to do is I want to share with you some of the principles that were used that day to essentially salvage Donald Trump's nascent presidential campaign when we all thought it was done. And and how these Ten Commandments of political warfare, how they can be used by us to elevate our principles and help them win the day. We'll get to those in a moment here on the Glenn Beck Program. If you're looking to fully protect your home with award-winning 24-7 home security, now is the time to do it. Time is running out on Simply Safe's biggest sale of the year. Simply Safe has everything that you need to protect your home and your family. Their smart lock, video doorbell pro, it defends your front door, but it's an army of sensors and cameras that guard every window, door, and room in your home. And if there is ever a break-in, Simply Safe is the only one that's able to give real-time video confirmation to police as it happens, so they respond through Three and a half times faster on average. It's no surprise that Simply Safe has won CNET and PC Magazine's Editor Choice Awards. With families traveling during the holiday season and leaving your home empty with the expensive gifts behind, Simply Safe's holiday sale couldn't come at a better time. 25% off plus a free HD security camera. But it ends December 31st. So go to simplysafebeck.com now. Remember, this sale ends December 31st. Simplysafebeck.com. So like we pointed out yesterday, this is the time of year we, we kind of like to take a step back and assess things, look at the bigger picture. And so when we were asked to fill in these two days here on the Glenn Beck program, uh, the crew from the Steve Day Show, myself, Todd Erz, and Aaron McIntyre, we thought, hey, let's kind of stick with that theme. And, and let's look at it two ways. One, a big picture philosophically, and that's what we did yesterday with the seven deadly worldviews. And then the other, a big picture practically. What's our antidote to this? What's our response to this? What's, what's the battle plan here? What do we do? And I think it's very important because I mentioned yesterday, we're having this debate on the right about how much of the leftist rot gut Alinsky-esque tactics to deploy, how many lies to tell, how many schemes to plot, how many fallacies to create, because, you know, they're, they're used so well against us. Maybe we should have a, our own Jesse Smollett's, right? Um, how, many of, how much of what they do effectively against us should we do in order to beat them? How much, how much fire to fight the fire? And I reject all of that. And the reason doesn't mean there's never a time to fight fire with fire. It doesn't mean it was wrong to firebomb Dresden or drop the atom bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I'm not saying there's never a time. There's never a time. Even in the Old Testament, the Lord says, go in there and lay waste. You're the urban renewal program. Hit control, delete, nothing. Leave nothing to twitch. All right? I'm not saying there's never a time for this. But you you have to understand that's a last resort. 
because the collateral damage of those acts is high. And you have to do the calculus from a just war standpoint that the, that the collateral damage is worth, is worth that to accomplish the goal. I don't think we're there yet. Especially when there's an opportunity to try a set of tactics that don't diminish our principles, but elevate them. And when I when I first wrote uh, did a symposium on this book or a talk on this book at a group of with a group of conservative leaders, a guy running for Congress came up to me and said, "Hey, are you concerned about putting this out publicly that the other guys may try to adopt these tactics?" And no, I'm not. And the reason why these tactics won't work. They won't work with 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 a leftist viewpoint. They won't work with postmodernism. Um, they won't work with moral subjectivism and moral relativism. They won't work. These are the tactics meant to attack those constructs, not elevate them. So we're going to spend the show here today, barring any breaking news here on the final day of 2019. And let me be, you know, right away, wish Happy New Year to all of you listening around the country. We're going to spend the show today walking you through these Ten Commandments of Political Warfare. How do we do what we believe? You guys ready to go? For sure. All right, let's you know do it. it. Commandment number one, all right? Never trust Republicrats. Now, I want to define this term, Aaron. Yes. Uh, what does never mean? Never. <laughs> there, there, you know, yesterday he was so idealistic and virtuous as we were doing these highfalutin philosophical principles for those of you who don't watch our show daily that's actually Aaron all right all right that's the the let me come over the top rope with a leg drop of cynicism and skepticism before you even make your point that's our Aaron right there yes it's a beautiful thing to yes behold. yes all right so never if you look it up in the original Greek means never Never trust these people. Now, let me define what this means. A, a Republican is not a rhino. At, at this point, we could be. The, we're probably the rhinos. The conservatives are probably the rhinos. <laughs> right. um, a rhino is the Chris Christie liberal Republican uh, who knows what to who, who couldn't become a Democrat in an all blue state because the, the roster's too full or they're not talented enough. So, or they're not connected enough. So they realized, you know, I can make the B team over here, the Republican team in this blue state. And, you know, I can, I can be the, you know, the big fish in a small pond over here. And they get huge power in these blue states, right? We, we've known the names of who rhinos in these blue states are over the course of our careers. A Republican is something different. A Republican is somebody who knows Mitch McConnell in Kentucky. One day, when I, the year I was launching this book at CPAC, was the day Mitch McConnell, old ditch, ditch as I used to call him, was because uh, that's where he'll drive you if you trust him into a ditch. Uh, he was speaking at CPAC that day, and he comes in waving this AR-15. Yeah, I'm sure he's got a rack of those at his brownstone over there in D.C. Yeah. or not, okay? And he probably thinks AR-15 stands for assault rifle like the media does too, all right? Well, the crowd goes wild. Yeah, ditch, yeah, Mitch, yeah, cocaine Mitch, yeah, yeah. See, those guys realize that I, you know, I'm, I've got to be conservative here at home, right? It, it, you know, remember when Mitt Romney was a severe conservative in the presidential primary, and then his his campaign aide uh, Eric Fenstrom said that, well, you know, that we won the nomination. It's just kind of an etch a sketch. Remember that? And we just kind of shake it up, and now you know you move to the middle, and and now you see that you know Mittens Willard is far more comfortable in those middles to lefts. All along, he was just lying to you before about being severely conservative. See, that's what a Republican is. The, the guy who knows, who with the consultants, 
who tells him, hey, here's how you need to get elected in this state. You can't be a rhino. They won't, you have no chance. You won't win. You got to say what they want to say, rub their bellies, okay, pat them on the heads. And then when they're not paying attention, then you get to Washington and you, you hit K Street, which is where all the lobbyists live. That's literally the street in Washington where the lobbyist groups are, all right? Man, you hit K Street, all right, the way, the way we hit the Mekong Delta and Nam. Okay, and and you get as progressive as you want to be once you're here. And you'll get away with it if you just go back home and give them the talking points that help them own the libs. And then when you get to Washington, you can govern just like them and no one will say a word. Do you know anybody like that? Do you know legions like that? I'm going to give you some names that are going to blow your mind. When we come back here, because they're your new conservative heroes, except they're not. We give you some names that illustrate what I'm talking about. They're going to blow your mind when we come back here on the Glenn Beck program. Stay tuned. Mortgage rates are so low right now, it is truly the right time to review your financial goals and set the course for your family's future. My choice is American Financing. They're a family-owned national mortgage banker with a salary-based mortgage consultant, so they're in it for you. If it's your goal to purchase a new home, maybe you could use a little more space, or you're downsizing, they can help. If you're looking to consolidate debt into one low payment or just reduce your interest rate to pay less over the life of your loan, American Financing can save you thousands of dollars. And if you're in a variable rate loan, I urge you, get into a fixed rate. American Financing, the only lender I endorse, the people I trust. No commission, no upfront fees, and no pressure. They'll cover you coast to coast in 10 minutes. 800-906-2440. That's 800-906-2440. Or online at AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS 182334, NMLS, org. Back here on the Glenn Beck program on the final day of 2019, day two of us proving they'll let just about anybody fill in around here when they're desperate for holiday help. We are the crew of the Steve Day Show. We are on After Glenn, noon to two Eastern, every day on Blaze TV radio and podcast, blazetv.com slash dace. You can also uh, look us up, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So yesterday we talked about worldview. Today we're going to talk about tactics. How do we do what we actually believe? How do we get it done? Get her done. How do we do that? Our Ten Commandments of Political Warfare, this is number one for a reason. Never trust Republicans. Do not trust someone just because they talk a good conservative game. I believe there's a famous line from an all-time bestseller that says, faith without works is what, Todd? Uh, dead. That would be dead. All right? Show me your works and I'll show you your faith, right? Show me your faith and I'll show you your works. It's a symbiotic relationship. In politics, you are the hills you die on, not the slogans you spout. Let me say that again. 
In politics, you are the hills you die on, not the slogans you spout. I could look at any unkept promise by this president in his first term, and it would come down to one thing, a trusting of Republicans. They didn't repeal Obamacare. He outsourced that to Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. They, they, they don't believe in that stuff. They weren't going to do it. We still got soldiers standing around in Afghanistan waiting to get IED'd to death like a glorified, well-outfitted mall cop in one of the armpits of this planet for reasons only Allah knows. Has no, other than its poppy fields, it serves no strategic benefit whatsoever. Why? Boy, the Pentagon is full of those kinds of Republicans. People love to talk America first in the jingoistic game, but in the end, when some Muslim terrorists coordinate a shooting at a Pensacola military base, the first concern is, let's make sure this doesn't impact our Saudi troop-sharing program. Priorities. Yes. In the end, you're the hills you die on, not the slogans you spout. Let me prove this to you in the most painful way possible. <laughs> All right. So this is one of our favorite games. Todd, the audience could not see your smile. So it's our spiritual gift. Yes. Um, one of our favorite games, our sister site at the blaze is called conservative review and conservative reviews. Primary function is what's called a Liberty score. And it's to record on a rolling average of the last 50 votes on every conceivable issue. Just to continue updating how your members of Congress are performing on conservatism. What I love about this score is it just keeps rolling over. And other than like a great group like Club for Growth is going to be focused on one slate of issues. This can this takes every issue into account because a conservative review, they reject. Well, I'm a fiscal conservative and a social liberal. No, no. no you're not. There's no such thing. That person doesn't exist. OK, except maybe at Cato. There's like five of those people on a floor. All right. But, but those votes don't exist. Those voters don't exist. That person really doesn't exist in mass. All right. You're either a conservative or you're not. OK. And if you're offended by that, by all means, email me, Steve at SteveDace.com. I'll be happy to correct you. OK. Um, you, you cannot limit government by promoting Sodom and Gomorrah, because when there's immorality, people are like, you know what? If, if I get to do whatever I want and, and if it blows up in my face, I'm not paying for it. I'm going to make you pay for it instead. That's how we got the welfare state in the first place, folks. All right. So this Liberty score just looks at how they actually vote on the issues that matter to you, all of them. I'm going to give you a few names here because they've been in the news a lot. You see them on Fox News every night, practically. What do you what do you call them? Trademark what, Aaron? What do you call them on our daily show? Conservative. Uh, no, it's actually new conservative heroes. Yes, these are trademark. your new conservative heroes. Meaning, I, I own the libs in a in a soundbite or a video clip, and now the the talking point has come down from Mount Valhalla. Um, this these are now behold your new conservative heroes. Trademark. Trademark. The name Devin Nunez has been in the news a little bit the last few years, right? Just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I thought he did. By the way, we read his memo on our show when it came out. And almost, I can't think of something in his memo that was not proven to be true. So let's give credit where credit is due. All right. He has done some good work on debunking the Russian collusion hoax. But in the end, 
when when they create hoaxes on the next Republican president you have, because that's how they roll. Okay, their names change. Sometimes it's Julie Swetnick. Sometimes it's Anita Hill. The names change. The scams remain the same. Right. Fire up the Jimmy Page. The song remains the same. All right. In the end, if you want to beat these people, you got to beat them with a better society, with with the right principles. His liberty score, and he's been in Congress for 15 years. Well, a lot of you are going to be drinking tonight, so let's just go ahead and be honest with you. All right. 33%, folks. That's not even a Moses Malone. Fo, fo, fo. 33%. 33. That means almost 70% of the time, your new conservative hero, Devin Nunez, votes with the very Democrats that you believe uh, that he'll be slaying tonight on your behalf on his 798th consecutive appearance on the Laura Ingram program. You just hate freedom, Steve. Indeed, yes. Lindsey Graham. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Remember he went off? He saved Brett Kavanaugh. I did the biggest travesty I've ever seen. These were my friends. These were my friends. You were supposed to do this to one of them conservative judges I don't like. Not not one of, not Carl Rove in a black robe. That's not that's not the rules of engagement around here. I'm incensed. Lindsey Graham from the deep blue state of South Carolina. I I believe you can I think in fact to get elected to the Greenville and I love Greenville. We have one of our offices there in Greenville, South Carolina. Correct me if I'm wrong if you're listening there from the home branch in Greenville this morning. I believe to get elected to the city council in Greenville, South Carolina, you must be able to recite the entire New England primer word for word in page order, I believe. That's how red South Carolina is. Right? Lindsey Gramnesty's Liberty Score. 30%. 30, which means 70% of the time he votes like he represents Bernie Sanders, Vermont. Remember I told you guys yesterday, pragmatism sucks. Lindsey Graham's Liberty score is living, breathing proof. How about the newest conservative hero? Oh yes. She faced down Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler, the Isengard and Mordor of of our middle earth. The two towers of progressive dominance. Okay. Would you like to know her liberty score? She's been in Congress for five years or four years. (laughs) 24% of the time she votes with you. At least Stefanik didn't even vote for the Trump tax cuts, guys. Like, Like that is to even to be a Republican... That is the minimum threshold. You have to be willing to vote for like any tax cut, like literally any of them. Like you can't be one, like anywhere. Like even Chris Christie cuts taxes. Even the rhinos cut taxes. Because everybody knows that is the minimum threshold. The number one thing, now for for those of us that have been Republican activists, number one thing we would know the Republican Party for is being pro-life, pro-second, right? But for the, for the, for in the, within the skull and bones society of the Republican Party, the vow you take, 
Nomine Patre. All right, when they, when when you, when <laughs> nice. you are brought in, did you like that? I right. do. When you are brought in, I, I took a shot at you yesterday. I had to give one back this morning to my Catholic editor over here to my right. Um, and when you are a made, um, evolved blob of tissue, fetal matter in the Republican Party, the agreement is you must vote for any tax cut. It just it, it automatic. You have to, or you're out. She didn't even vote for the Trump tax cuts last year. Or in 2017, she couldn't even bring herself to do the bare minimum it takes. Remember in the Man of Steel movie you love so much when you find out that the S stands for hope in their language? Yes. Like, what does the magic R really stand for? Rotgut? Yes. Uh, yeah. Rancid? How about wrong? <laughs> <laughs> it's, the new math. it's the new math. Yes. So, um, Elise Stefanik, who right now, there are conservative women around the country right now saying to their daughters... Be more like her. Indeed. Vote against the number one reason your economy is booming right now, the Trump tax cuts. Do that. If, dude, if you can't get a Republican to vote to cut your taxes, that, that is the point you might as well just vote Democrat because you're going to get everything else that the Democrats want to. What was it that you pointed out regarding this, how, how these Republicans – run in red states versus how progressives run we'll in red states? Yeah, okay, yeah, we're going to get to that in okay. a second, too. i got to get to one more, though, because because there was a huge blow-up about Doug Collins, the congressman in Georgia, who's got lots of cool quips going off on Mueller and the and the and all these hoaxes we've all had to endure for the last year, all right? His liberty score in deep red Georgia, 48%. Remember when Reagan said the person who's your 80% friend isn't your 20% enemy? What about the person who's the 50% enemy, 70% enemy? Are they a a 20 or 30% friend? And if you think these are isolated, oh, there's more. We'll get to those when we come back here on the Glenn Beck program. You're listening to Glenn Beck. It's time to get back into gold because there's a reset coming. And maybe you should do your own homework and consider gold or silver. 1-866-GOLDLINE is the number I would call. You might want to spit yourself out of the system. And the way to do that is to have something in hard gold or silver. Now, you might think you're not able to afford gold. That's not true. I asked them specifically, and I think they're the only ones that do this, specifically to do an accumulation special. Now, this is not you getting in debt. This is you doing, uh, it's like a layaway. A hundred dollars a month and you send a hundred dollars a month and they just keep building your gold portfolio. Nobody else does that accumulation special get started for as low as a hundred dollars a month. Please find out if gold or silver is right for you. Please batten down the hatches. One eight six six gold line one eight six six gold line. Get started for as little as a hundred dollars a month. One eight six six gold line or goldline.com. All right, so there's a reason we spent the entire hour on this very first commandment, all right? The rest of these are going to be able to go through a lot faster. But this first one, if you violate this first one, it, it, it doesn't matter what you do with the other nine. If you, don't, if you don't heed Cicero's warning about the enemy within the gates, all right, 
and and you're up against the folks that when the bullets start flying can just reverse the jersey and start fighting against you, right? When the Visigoths came over the wall in Rome, they weren't met with a lot of resistance because a lot of the Roman army was had become so watered down, it was made up of their own kinfolk and countrymen. And so when the Visigoths came over the wall, a whole bunch of Roman soldiers, man, took off the centurion gear and said, Sves! Family reunion! <laughs> Let's sack this place! All right, if you align yourself with those who will betray you, there's no tactic for that. You can't overcome that. That's why I wanted to spend our opening hour on this commandment alone. And let me leave you with this thought. Lamar Alexander, 12% Liberty score. That's Tennessee. Thad Cochran, when he was alive. Mississippi, Liberty score, 24%. Deep red Mississippi. Orrin Hatch, Utah. Deep red Utah, 27%. John Hoven, North, North Dakota, 28%. Another red state. Roger Wicker, the other Mississippi senator, 30%. Johnny Isaacson, when he was the senator in Georgia, 31%. Shelley Capito in West Virginia, a state Donald Trump didn't just win every county, folks. He won every freaking precinct in 2016. Her liberty score is 32%. These are the, some of the reddest states in the union. And the people you're electing go to Washington and vote like Democrats. But then let's look at Democrats in swing states. Sherrod Brown in Ohio, 10%. Michael Bennett, Colorado, 10%. Tammy Baldwin, Wisconsin, 9%. Gary Peters and Debbie Stabenow in Michigan, 8%. Mark Warner, Virginia, 4%. Bill Nelson in Florida, the ultimate swing state, has a 2% liberty score. In other words, when Democrats get elected to national office in blue in swing states that, that they could lose, they still go to Washington and vote like Nancy Pelosi. But when you elect Republicans in red states that they couldn't lose any way other than just forgetting to have their name on the ballot. They go there and vote a lot like Nancy Pelosi, too. So what do you do with this information? Forewarned is forearmed. I understand you can't make the perfect the enemy of the good. You don't have to give me those lectures. I've actually worked in the trenches. A lot of you have only just heard about on the radio. I understand all of that. But you have to understand how to use your assets appropriately. Lindsey Graham wants to be a senator for life. Leverage him. Use him. But if you don't know who Lindsey Graham really is, and you let him lie to you, you won't. You'll just let him keep backstabbing you. A lot of these people you're going to elect, particularly as the culture continues to decline, are craven opportunists. Create an environment where it's opportunistic for them to do what you think and what you say and what you want. Not the media or the swamp or the establishment or whatever we're calling District 1, the capital out there in Washington, D.C. nowadays. That's the point of this information. You leverage them instead of letting them betray you. The next nine commandments of political warfare are next here on the Glenn Beck Program.
fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. How do we do what we believe? How do we win? What tactics elevate and advance our principles as conservatives rather than diminish them and help us become exactly like that which we're trying to defeat? That's the theme and the questions we're answering today on the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You have heard me talk about Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, and how his pillow has given me a great night's sleep, which I need. Now, from time to time, he'll send me something to try, from pillows to the sheets to the towels. I've loved them all so far. You're the one who have built this into an incredible company and have trusted Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. So Mike wants to do something for you, and that is his Giza Dream Sheets, which are great. He's going to give you an incredible deal. These sheets come with the world's best cotton. They are ultra soft. They're breathable, yet extremely durable. And right now, the Giza Dream Sheets, buy one, get one set free, plus shipping with the promo code BECK. Remember, all my pillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. You're going to love it, and if you don't, send them back. It's MyPillow.com. Click on the new radio listener specials to buy one pair of Giza Dream Sheets and get the other one free, plus shipping. There's also deep discounts on all the other MyPillow products that you are just going to love as much as I do. Enter the promo code BECK or call 800-966-3117 and get the great radio specials. Back here on the Glenn Beck Program, my name is Steve Dace. I'm here with the crew of the Steve Dace Show, Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre, noon to 2 Eastern each weekday, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. If you want to find out more about us, check out our channel on YouTube. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Just look up my name, D-E-A-C-E. You can also go to blazetv.com slash days to watch us and all of the other great programming we do each day at Blaze TV, blazetv.com slash days. So we spend an entire opening hour on the first of the Ten Commandments of Political Warfare from my book, Rules for Patriots, which I wanted to write the antidote to Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. How do we actually have principles that elevate those of us that believe in God-given rights rather than emulating the principles of a book dedicated to Lucifer? How do we do that? That's what these Ten Commandments of Political Warfare are all about. So now that we have, I think, at the very least— enticed a number of you to consider how much you are willing to blind trust these Republicans you elect because they gave you the soundbite you wanted on Fox News tonight. Let's move on to the rest of the tactics, gentlemen. You ready to go? Let's get it. Yep. Let's go to number two. Second of our Ten Commandments, never attack what you're not willing to kill. This is a mistake I have seen conservatives make in public office way too often. Here's the reality. The minute you become the Republican nominee for any office in America that matters. You are immediately a racist, a misogynist, a homophobe, a xenophobe, and you probably kick puppies. Immediate. I I look at John McCain. The media did everything they could to get him the nomination 10 years ago. Five minutes after he clinched the nomination, front page in the New York Times, uh, he's got a mistress. Now, I I believe that story was debunked, but... You think that they just found out about that five minutes after he clinched the nomination, or do you think they probably 
had that story ready the entire time. And if he hadn't clinched the nomination, there would be no point in running that story because then they could still use him to book him every Sunday morning to use the, and spew their talking points against people like us, right? That's the way the game is played. You're a Green Bay Packers fan, right, Correct. Todd? Yeah. You're the legendary coach, Vince Lombardi, always used to say to his players, if you're going to go over the middle, catch the ball. Because when you go over the middle, you know, that safety's coming up behind you. He, he can't see if you caught the ball or not most of the time. And so he is caught to play you, the, the player, not the ball. That, so that's why he hits you, to try to stop you and separate you from the ball. So you're going to get hit going over the middle, sticking out those out. How many times on an NFL Sunday or a college football Saturday do you see guys stick the alligator arms out there, right? Meaning they, they don't fully extend for the ball. And then they get cold jacked anyway. And you're screaming as a fan, just catch the ball. You're going to get hit anyway. What was the point of taking the hit if you're not going to move the chains or, or, or score the touchdown, right? Correct. Yes. All too often, you see the people representing you think, you know, if I, if I, if I just stop here, they'll be nice to me. No, they won't. No, they won't. You want a great example of what, of, of, of what it looks like to never attack what you're not willing to kill? Go watch Donald Trump Jr.'s recent appearance on The View a few weeks ago. Dude loaded up, came, came loaded, man. Emptied the freaking chamber. And then with bodies twitching and smoke pouring forth from the barrel, went for a refill, cocked again, unloaded the chamber again, and then was like, Austin Powers, I'm spent. That's that's what you do, guys. Well, of course you do, but uh, we need a better. This is like the the reverse of the Joker. We need a better class of criminal, and I'm going to give it to him, sort of thing. But this is this is really really hard to do because ultimately a lot of our candidates get involved. Listen, they're they're pageant parents is what they are this is they really want the ribbon the the ceremony yep. all of that stuff and you don't have to be a jerk you listen it's easy we're quite good at it uh but you don't have to go in there name calling or anything right. like I that go back, this go is about to, the ideas yes. kill the ideas i go back to john jr you watch that clip he's not he's no. not in there being a d-bag or anything i mean he's and if anything, his delivery reminded me of Chris Farley and Tommy Boy. Bert, you were there, right? When he looks over at when he looks over at Whoopi Goldberg and says, "Well, I mean, hey, Whoopi, you you wore, I mean, I mean, uh, Joy, you wore blackface too." And I was like, yeah. "Come on, we're all just Ralph. We're all part of the Ralph Northam Society here, right?" See that tactic, doing it that way actually works even better, because if you go in there with brow furrowed from the outset, then they can right away just label you. But when you go in there, you know, like Kumo D, how you like me now, you know, I, I, you know, we're just sitting there having some coffee talk and the truth's on my side. I got nothing to fear. This is a devastating tactic. They're going to treat you like the Covington kids anyway, anyway. So what is the point of earning all of these bad names? What, why do any of this then? If, if you're not going to lay waste okay lay waste to the fortress then 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 don't enlist because you'll be treated just the same as if you had anyway 
that brings us to commandment number three. Never accept. The word never, you're going to find, is, is used a lot here. I like absolutes. We, we love absolutes on this show. We embrace them. We marinate in them. We love them. Never accept the premise of your opponent's argument. Never. Never. And again, if you just tuned in this morning, never in the original Greek means never. It's neveros. Neveros. It's never. (laughs) Um, How are we doing that today? Oh, you know, and tons of things. How many, we all do it. And And we're all afraid of getting banned on social media right now. Everybody in conservative media is for the most part, except for Kurt Schlichter. I think he's begging for a ban. God bless him. All right. I mean, it's like he it's like Kurt Schlichter logs on Twitter. He's like looking for updates to their terms of service of what you can't say or do. And it's like, all right, now I know I've got my marching orders for today. All right. And and, and I'm, I'm convinced they won't ban him because they just don't want to give him the satisfaction. <laughs> so the, most of us in our industry are paranoid about getting banned from these platforms. Because they're our primary conduit to reach most of you with, with our clips and stories. And it's how you aggregate your information and news nowadays. Our, our ability to reach you is severely diminished without them. And so what's happening is mental illness known as trans this and trans that. But it's mental illness. It's insanity. I mean, let me, let me read for you this headline. Uh, let me find it here from over at Red State yesterday. All right, th- this headline is incredible, Um, and it was a story out of the UK. This is the headline. I'm just going to read it verbatim. A lesbian couple identifying as neither a straight nor gay couple has a miracle baby with the sperm of a man identifying as a woman thanks to a transgender doctor. That's 2019 in one headline, y'all, right there. Yes, it is. And, And Red State is doing it this way for two reasons. One, this is a devastatingly effective way of pointing out how insane this all is. But two, this is the most devastatingly effective way they could do so without violating the terms of service of the social media groups and getting banned. If you verbalize your opponent's talking points, you're helping to advance them. If you you permit the premise of your opponent's argument to be granted, he will win the argument every time. Whoever's premise is accepted in an argument always wins always wins we're always arguing bottom line bottom line bottom line they're always arguing premise 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 that's where the fight is at it's not at the end of the argument it's at the beginning todd that's why you have to who's the player former nationals now on the phillies uh Oh, you're talking about Bryce Harper? Bryce Harper. That's yeah. why you need to be comfortable saying, that's a clown question, bro. You, you've got to have that in your arsenal. And you have to say it a lot because the media just comes at you over and over again with these ridiculous premises. And it's fascinating that you bring up, read that headline because one of the best jobs you did this in real time with the local guy on Channel 13, yeah. you got to tell people about that because yeah. you basically said, that's a that. clown question, bro. Yeah, there was a local news guy, and they had me they, when I was doing just local radio, and they used to do this feature, local newsmakers for yeah. in a chair for 60 minutes and can ask you anything. So I go into the chair, and they want to ask me all kinds of questions about homosexuality, all right? And, they, and he starts asking me questions like, um, do I, ha- you know, um, do, or do I think a homosexual should be allowed to openly serve in the military? And I said to him, I, I think 
all males and females who are able-bodied and can live by the uniformed code of military justice, if they wish to volunteer to serve their country, they ought to be able to. And then he asked me again, same question. I gave him the exact same answer. All males and females that can serve and can live by the UM, uh, uniformed code of military justice should be able to. He's like, well, what about, what about gays? I'm like, I only know of two forms of people, male and female. If you know of a third variation of the species, by all means, you should be in the chair. It's what I told him. You should be, well, let's switch spots. You're right. the newsmaker. You're breaking news. You're letting us know something science has not previously told us. I only know men and women. And then he said to me, he goes, well, do you have any family members who are gay? Because this was right after we had the election about throwing the judges out over gay marriage here in Iowa. And I looked at him and I said, well... Uh, I believe that what someone, I used their own talking point against them. I looked at them and said, well, I believe what someone does with another consenting adult in their own bedroom is none of my business. So I, I don't call up my family members and ask them, hey, did you have gay sex last night? And that's how the, that's how the exchange ended right then and there. That's what you're talking about. December 31st, 2009, you would have probably been somewhere on the, on the airwaves or maybe not because you were probably on break then, but Around that time, he would have been somewhere saying, you know, uh, w- with the gay marriage debate, this would have been uh, five and a half years before a burger fell. With the gay marriage debate, what we're really debating here, and you would have correctly pointed out, is that there is no gender. Right. And, of course, you would have been told, oh, well, you're just making a slippery slope argument. This is just about um, this is just about love is love and uh, love is equal and, and all of this. Ten years later – December 31st, it's that red state headline. Because ultimately we're saying it's not natural for men to be attracted to women and women to be attracted to men. And that's how we perpetuate the species. That's that's really what you're saying is those aren't God given or nature ordained instincts and desires and wants. And, and, and that's why we're going to justify no longer recognizing that and undoing them. So what you're really saying, if you take your argument to its logical premise, you're saying there's no gender. And I'd bring these people on, as you point out, they'd lose their minds. Yep. But now, what is, what is the argument? What's been the number one cultural flashpoint we've had all year in 2019? The very gender argument they used to deny to people like me they really wanted to have all along. More here on the Glenn Beck program in a moment. Hey, you want a New Year's resolution that you can actually keep? Resolve to help protect your identity and personal information with LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. LifeLock will alert you to potential threats to your identity. And they'll see more than what you can see by just monitoring your own credit, like information on the dark web. And if you have a problem, LifeLock's U.S.-based restoration specialists know the steps to help resolve your case. After all, only one in five identity theft victims who had accounts open in their name discovered their theft through a bank or a credit card company. Now, nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock is the New Year's resolution that's not only easy to keep, it'll help you protect what you've worked so hard for. I've worked with LifeLock for years, and I've had LifeLock for years because of the best in the business. So get LifeLock now for up to 25% off your first year with promo code BECK at LifeLock.com. Promo code BECK for up to 25% off at LifeLock.com. Let's get right back to it here on the Ten Commandments of Political Warfare from my book, Rules for Patriots, How Conservatives Can Win Again. We just talked about commandment number three. Never accept the premise of your opponent's argument. This is a common sin on the right. We use their talking points. 
We shouldn't ever argue about gun violence ever, that talking point. I was on a panel on MSNBC one day when they literally invented that term in the middle of the panel during commercial break. We just changed the talking point to gun control to gun violence. I didn't, I'm not changing. That, that might be your talking point, but I mean, you don't control my conscience. You want gun control. You want gun confiscation. That's what you want. I'm not, I'm not using your talking points. You wouldn't use mine. Why should I use yours? Why do we just volunteer to be on defense? Why? And it's one of those questions that there's no good answer to. And the minute somebody asks you this, you don't you feel like you're empowered and free to be like, you know what? You're right. I don't have to do that. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not. Like, I would never use the word abortion. We don't use it really on our show. We call it child killing. That's what you're doing. You're killing babies. I mean, abortion sounds like a tonsillectomy. I'm just, you know, I had, this, I had this thing. I get it that I don't need. I got rid of it. And we move on. Doesn't it sound, it sounds so clinical. Again, why would I use their terms? Why? That's the term they want. Why would I use that? Why, why, would, I, why would I let people who get up in the morning and live out the boy in the striped pajamas in real time as their job at the abortuary, uh, at, the, at the child killing plant? Well, one day, a few years ago, when Noah was sick, and when he was little, I took his sisters down to see him. He was in the hospital with a bad virus for a couple of days. And he needed IVs and stuff that we couldn't do at home. And I took his older sisters down to see him. They were still kind of young at the time, too. And there, and there used to be a Planned Parenthood right across the street from Mercy Hospital here in Des Moines. Irony of ironies. It's closed. Like a lot of the clinics are closing nowadays. Praise God for that. And my daughters asked me, hey, what is that? My oldest, I think she was 11 maybe at the time. The youngest would have been like seven. I told them. I told them the truth. I didn't tell them it was an abortion clinic. I said, women go in there and have their babies killed because they don't want them. And they do that right across the street from the hospital. You know, the motto we have in our house is when you're old enough to ask the right questions, you're old enough to get the right answers. So I told them that. Why, why, would, I, why would I sanitize this on any level? So why do we? All the answers to that question are bad. Are we ready for commandment four? Yes. Here's commandment number four. Never, there's that word again, never surrender the moral high ground. Never. Ben Kenobi, Obi-Wan looks at Anakin Skywalker and says, it's over, Anakin. I have the high ground. That was actually a pretty good impersonation. Didn't that almost no, sound yeah, like him no, a little bit? Yeah. No. I hate you. <laughs> I thought it sounded pretty good. No. no? Hello there. No? Okay. Um, why give up the high ground on your argument? Let me give you an example in recent years of what this looks like. And then I'll let you guys chime in, okay? The Obamacare debate. So here we have the most anti, I didn't use the, pre, the, the prefix un, the most anti-constitutional piece of legislation, arguably in American history. Now, something can, we can debate on the left and right, and people of good conscience can debate how far the general welfare clause should go, for example. Really, what, what preemptively can a president empowered as commander-in-chief really do preemptively on his own militarily? And people of good conscience can have disagreements about these things and then have it adjudicated and found to be unconstitutional in the end. Okay? 
But when something's anti-constitutional, that's different. Un just means, you know what, we checked, we looked, we analyzed it, and it doesn't really line up with, with the Constitution's original framework and scheme schema were intended to be. So, nice try, but no. Anti means you're trying to undo this. You are against. Un means you're wrong. Anti means you're against. You're intentionally attempting to undermine that which you're opposing. So when something is anti-constitutional, it's against the Constitution. Obamacare was against the Constitution on every level. On every level. The idea that government can order you to buy something you don't want. The idea that government can order you to fund services you don't need. The idea that government could then say you must violate your conscience if you're Liberty University, if you're Hobby Lobby Corporation, if you're those poor nuns at Little Sisters of the Poor. You've got to pay for me to get my freak on and kill my kid afterwards. I can't think of any any viable tenet. It even screened people for Second Amendment rights. I cannot think of a tenet of the Constitution that Obamacare did not violate. And what was the often argument that you heard from Republicans about it? Was it that argument? Oh, those are the arguments shows like this made. But the politicians you elect, the arguments you often heard was, they can't afford it. They just can't afford that. Okay, cool. So if we were running budget surpluses, it wouldn't be anti-constitutional anymore? It wouldn't be any less wicked if, if we were in the black instead of the red? What an absolutely stupid argument. And when your argument is stupid, you lose. And that's why Obamacare never got repealed. More of the Glenn Beck program in a moment. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Eleven student groups, including the Harvard College Democrats, signed a petition accusing their school paper of showing cultural insensitivity for contacting ICE for a comment after a protest against the agency on campus. That's it. They just reached out for a comment. Thankfully, there is something we can do about the madness and the destruction of our civilization by these woke activists. It's as simple as the service you use every day. Switch your mobile carrier to Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is the only cellular service that donates a portion of your monthly bill to organizations fighting against things like this. Right now, Patriot Mobile is bringing back their buy one line, get one line free for six months if you make the switch. It's really easy. You keep your number, you keep your phone, or buy a new one. Get reliable 4G LTE nationwide service for as low as 25 bucks a month while helping to preserve the country we all love. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash back or use their US-based team at 877-367-7524. PatriotMobile.com slash back. 877-367-7524. Still talking about commandment number four here, never surrender the moral high ground as we continue on with the Ten Commandments of Political Warfare from my book, Rules for Patriots, How Conservatives Can Win Again. We're the crew from the Steve Day Show, noon to two Eastern after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look us up. Try to like us on Facebook, but we're shadow banned there, so good luck with that. You can also find us, uh, our, our stuff on YouTube, blazetv.com slash Dace, or just subscribe to the podcast. Look for Steve Dace, D-E-A-C-E. Look for Steve Dace on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, etc. And as always, if you have any questions or anything you want to ask me about, email me, steve at stevedace.com. I, as the show continues to grow, I can't 
respond as everybody the way that I used to when we were just uh, a wee lass. But uh, I, I do try to get back to as many people as I possibly can. I want to continue on here with commandment number four, though, for just a second. And, and why tactically this is so important. Let's go back to the Obamacare debate. Because I, I, think it's the, I think it's the number one reason why Republicans lost control of Congress. I think it's the number one reason, the number two reason, the number three, and the number four. And I don't think it has anything to do with Trump's tweeting activity, which most days I'm not a fan of myself. Okay. But I don't think that, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I live in the suburbs Republicans lost. I, I don't think a whole lot of people got up in the morning on, on that first Tuesday in November and said, you know, um, I, I, Trump tweeted something I saw on TMZ in June, and uh, and that's why I'm voting for this Democrat. No, 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 that's they didn't keep their promise. In the end, they didn't keep their promise to repeal Obamacare. You cannot promise something to the American people over fifty times and then not deliver it. George, read my lips. No new taxes. Herbert Walker Bush called. He agrees. Can't do that. Can't lay a marker down, and then not go through with it. Can't do that. That's the red line for the American people. If you were a Republican in Congress, which debate would you rather have? The debate over whether the, this was the GOP consultant class talking point. It's, it's a monstrosity we can't afford. So, so number one, you're making an argument based on fiduciary responsibility with a federal government that's already trillions of dollars in debt to the average American who has a zero savings account right now and thinks we can just literally call up the Xerox machine at Fort Knox and print more money. You're saying the horse kind of left the barn on that yeah, one already? Yeah. I, yeah. When, when you're running trillion, when you've already done Medicare Part D, because we had to do that, you know, that compassionate conservatism thing in the, Bush, the George W. Bush years. So we already did Medicare Part D. We already did race to the top, no child left behind. We already had to bail out Lehman Brothers, all right, and and the bankers. Yeah, you know, we just suspend free market principles to save the free market. We had to do all of these things. By the way, do you know what the most unpopular piece of congressional legislation in the history of modern polling is? TARP was. TARP was the most unpopular piece of legislation. Ever. Ever. And Republicans sign on to it. The Republican presidential nominee was in first place in the real clear politics polling average in September coming out of the convention, largely thanks to a Sarah Palin speech. He then suspends his campaign while in first place to save us from billionaires losing a few billion dollars or something. Wasn't that what, something? We learned yesterday you have to suspend free market yes, principles to, to save it. That, for some reason, okay. And then, then got destroyed just a few week, a couple of months later in the presidential election. He was never a factor after this. Um, so you just went through a decade where you, you conditioned people that we can do all kinds of things. We can have endless war, right? The Iraq we allegedly freed is having its Benghazi moment as we speak right now, reportedly. The debt clock just ticks like a bomb yeah, behind yeah. us all. It's just back, right? It's like elevator yes. music now. So as a yeah, so as a. <laughs> That's my favorite music. Yes. Everyone's hold music nowadays when you call is is the debt clock music. Perfect. Um, That's a clockwork orange come to life. Indeed. But um, 
you've conditioned people that when it when that you can grow government anytime you want. And now suddenly the other side's arguing, uh, single moms can't get health care and you hate kids. And so after let's do endless war in Iraq, let's do endless mall copping in Afghanistan, because, you know, those last remaining Taliban interlopers riding their horses like the resistance on the on the on the the, the shell of the Star Destroyers and Rise of Skywalker are what are quite the menacing threat to the 101st Airborne. Yes. Yes, keep doing all of these things. Trillions and trillions and trillions. More and more and more for America last. But guys, when it comes to single moms and their health care, we just, we, we, we can't afford that. We're broke here. Is it any wonder why that dog didn't hunt? And people are like, listen, I'm SMRT smart. I went to public school. But I got to believe if we've got money for my son to follow in my footsteps, I fought in Afghanistan. Now my kid's going. We got money for that. But we don't have money for single moms to have their health care. I, I, I might need a better argument. Well, and these Republicans will turn around and they say, well, the, the press, and that's just a lying argument. And yeah, because progressivism, the whole thing is a lie. They're always lying. Yep. You don't get to suddenly pull out and play victim status because they spun one on you. The entire thing is a canard. Yes. You can't you can't you can't exchange a canard with a canard. You know, I've been, I I've probably been on MSNBC and CNN over 50 some odd times in my career. I, I I know this. Having I've been on live on the set, I don't have to accept their talking points. I don't have to accept the premise of their arguments. I don't have to give up the high ground on my position. I don't have to do that. And neither do any of you Republican politicians. You choose to do it. You could have you could have gone on with Soledad. Is she even on anymore? I don't watch any of these shows. I don't even know who's on. She's like one okay. of the angriest, craziest people on Twitter, and that's saying something. Has she gone to the Alyssa Milano? Don't mess with me. I'm premenopausal. She played that card. Have you yet. ever seen her and Alyssa Milano in, in the, the same, same place? Space? Yes. Huh. Glasses on. Glasses off. Soledad O'Brien with the glasses on. Alyssa Milano with the glasses off. Right, like Clark Kent and Superman. So um, you don't you, you don't have to. They don't like hand you a script and, hey, Troubadour, play this tune. You you can just, I don't know, blow it up and say what you think. What's the point of that free speech thing if you're not going to use it, right? This right, I got to get this. Since we're on this show, I mentioned this last month, the, the last season of season two of Yellowstone. This is my mantra, and it needs to be yours. But the last episode, it's these warring factions, and and the the the, the side, the family that you're following is it's fighting back, and and it gets the final win. Um, but in and it's two people talking, and one is dying. The 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 bad guy is dying, um, and the 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 good guy, the family that you're following, says, "Did you really not think we wouldn't fight back?" And the guy who's dying just kind of laughs as he's dying. And he says, no one ever fights back. Man, that's everything yep. Steve is talking about in this point and the last point and the last point, which is why he says never, never. Because if you if, if you think you have high ground and you won't fight for it, it was never your high ground to begin with. Like on the, on the issue of life, if we really believe it's a life then why would we spend our... I'll tell you what, if you, if you do a little song, do a little dance, um, and, and, and you wear white after Labor Day, and it's three minutes after midnight on a Thursday, 
Um, and, 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 and you saw black cats. Yeah, and, and you're working in buckwheat and all yeah. the wrong places, and I'm Gumby, damn it. Then you can kill your kid. Why would we do legislation like that? The, the heartbeat bills and stuff we're seeing around the country nowadays. Why weren't we doing these 40 years ago? Why did we spend, we, we spent millions, billions of dollars trying to ban late-term partial birth abortion. We got it all the way to the Supreme Court, Carhartt versus Gonzalez. And we didn't ban it. Won the case and didn't ban it. All we did was ban one method of it. It's like you, it's like you at Nuremberg, they only banned one form of, of gassing Jews in, 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 in ovens. Zyklon A, you can't use Zyklon A, but if you use the Zyklon B, dude, it's totally dope. We're down. Can't use the Zyklon A, though. That's bad stuff. That, that's what the, that, that was like un, until the last few years, that was like the biggest pro-life legislative win ever was banning, or at least since the Hyde Amendment, which is going back long before Aaron was even born, was, was banning one form of partial birth abortion, late-term abortion. And yet we're still one of only six countries in the world that permits this. Pretty good rule of thumb is if, if you're an exclusive company with North Korea in anything, you're wrong. Another good rule of thumb number two, if France is to, morally to your right on something, you're wrong. You can't do late term and partial birth abortion in France where their prime ministers have their mistresses and their wives show up at their state funerals, Mr. Mitterrand. All right. And they stand next to each other. Okay. That country <laughs> doesn't let Ralph Northam say, you know, when we have the kid, then we put it in swaddling cloth over there in the incubator and the mom decides, do you want it? No. Okay. If not, stick a fork in it. We're done here. You can't do that in France where the mistress and the wife are both at Prime Minister Mitterrand's funeral. Okay. France won't let you do that where they give their kids cigarettes for breakfast. What'd you have for breakfast? What'd you have for breakfast there? France. Well, you know, mom gave me a pack of Lucky Strikes. And they give their kids cigarettes for breakfast in France, but they don't permit late-term abortion. And yet we do. When we thought we had won this battle, but we didn't win it ever. Why? We spent so much time trying to regulate child killing instead of arguing our actual point. When does life begin? And all of our legislation, all of it, all of it, ought to to begin with that premise. We shouldn't even use words like fetus, and I know the medical term, but they've co-opted it. It should say child or baby in your legislation. Why do we give up the moral high ground on any of this? Again, a question that doesn't have any good answers. More of the Glenn Beck program here in a moment. You're listening to Glenn Beck. If you experience pain on a daily basis, I know exactly how you feel. It can be debilitating. It can control your life. The aches are easy to understand. When it really hurts to do the basic chores emotionally, the effects of pain can be just as dramatic. I have spoken to so many people in this audience that have started to take Relief Factor. The change emotionally is as dramatic as the physical relief, maybe even more. As you might know, Tanya and I started taking Relief Factor several months ago. After about 10 days, subtle changes started to be 
become significant. And I've been able to stop taking all prescription pain medications, all pain medications entirely, and stop the terrible side effects of those awful drugs. Many on my team here at The Blaze are faithful takers of the 100% drug-free relief factor, and we have had great success in taking our lives back. Try it. Get a three-week quick start package for only $19.95. Take it as directed. That's less than a dollar per day. And if it works on you like it has with me, you're going to get your life back. ReliefFactor.com. All right, let's get to commandment number five here in our Ten Commandments of Political Warfare on the Glenn Beck Program. Reverse the premise of your opponent's argument and use it against him. One of the greatest, I mean, technicians ever at this was Ronald Reagan. And a couple of the most famous examples I can think of off the top of my head Early in his presidency, the country is mired in a deep recession coming out of the Carter years. Still a big debate about whether his tax cuts are going to work or not. We hadn't seen really a a mass across the board tax cut since JFK in the 60s. Um, And Keynesian economics reigns supreme at this point in time. And so Reagan's unpopular and the economy's not doing well. He just fired the air traffic controllers. So a a lot of unions, I think the Teamsters endorsed Reagan in 80, I believe. Uh, thought that you know he might be better for the everyday working man than we saw in the Carter years. We had to invent the term misery index to accurately describe what the economy was like. And he's, he's standing there doing a, a briefing, a, a nationwide press briefing um, there in the White House. And Sam Donaldson starts to try to corner the ABC, the ABC's longtime uh, chief White House reporter of yesteryear, tries to corner the president and says, Mr. President, you have sat here today or stood here today and blamed everybody other than yourself for the state of the economy. You've blamed the Democrats in Congress. You've blamed, uh, you know, a, a lack of uh, patience for your policies. You blame Democratic governors and their policies in, in their Midwestern states. You have blamed everybody other than yourself, sir. You are the president. Do you share no blame for how people are suffering right now? And without skipping a beat. Ronald Reagan looks at him and says, well, Sam, you're right. For many years, I was a Democrat. So I do share some of the blame as well. That's a mic drop. One of the most famous clips of his presidency is in the first debate against Walter Mondale in 1984 for his reelect. Reagan did not perform well. And it looked like he was going to cruise to reelection. Now suddenly, like, maybe this guy's too old to be president. First question he gets in the second debate is about that performance. And is he too old to be president? How would he reassure the American people? And he looks, he cocks his head, he looks over at Walter Mondale and says, well, I want to assure the American people, I'm not going to stoop to the level of using my opponent's relative youth and inexperience against him in this race. And even Walter Mondale laughed at that. That's how you reverse the premise of your opponent's argument and use it against them. One of the things you'll often see me say when when somebody crazy on the left makes a point, calling somebody that that we like names, I'll often respond with, you know, when it comes to blank, you're certainly the subject matter expert here. So I I may have to rethink my opinion on this topic because everybody knows you've got this one down in spades, bro. Okay? Don't 
hang them from their hoist, their hoist them from their own petard, as Shakespeare used to say. That is a devastating tactic in argumentation, uh, in the arena of ideas, particularly when it's done with humor or winsomeness. Don't accept their premise, but now let's go a step further. Reverse it and use it against them. We'll have more on that here when we come back. Hour three of the Glenn Beck program is next. We've got one more hour to go to equip you here on the final day of 2019 to get ready for what's coming next year uh, and to be better armed and better prepared to conserve that which is worthy of conservation because it is proven via history to be what's best true and beautiful for human beings east of Eden. That's why we're conservatives. And that's what we're talking about here next on the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. If you experience pain on a daily basis, I know exactly how you feel. It can be debilitating. It can control your life. The aches are easy to understand. When it really hurts to do the basic chores emotionally, the effects of pain can be just as dramatic. I have spoken to so many people in this audience that have started to take Relief Factor. The change emotionally is as dramatic as the physical relief, maybe even more. As you might know, Tanya and I started taking Relief Factor several months ago. After about 10 days, subtle changes started to be significant, And I've been able to stop taking all prescription pain medications, all pain medications entirely, and stop the terrible side effects of those awful drugs. Many on my team here at The Blaze are faithful takers of the 100% drug-free relief factor, and we have had great success in taking our lives back. Try it. Get a three-week quick start package for only $19.95. Take it as directed. That's less than a dollar per day. And if it works on you like it has with me, you're going to get your life back. ReliefFactor.com Our third and final hour here on this New Year's Eve day, filling in for Glenn Beck on the Glenn, on the Glenn Beck program. Happy New Year to all of you. We are the crew from the Steve Day Show. That would be me, Steve Day, Totters, and Aaron McIntyre, noon to two Eastern every weekday, right after Glenn Beck on Blaze TV radio and podcast. If you liked what you've heard here the past couple of days, if you want to check us out, blazetv.com slash dace, last name is D-E-A-C-E, blazetv.com slash dace. You can also just look for my name, Steve Dace, if you want to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, etc. Find our channel on YouTube as well. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. You can also email me, steve at stevedace.com. We are going over my 10 commandments of political warfare. Here's how I believe we can actually and effectively do what we believe. And they're from my book, Rules for Patriots, how conservatives can win again, endorsed by a few people you've probably heard of. The current president of the United States, Donald Trump, the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, just a couple. 
a guy named Ben Shapiro, just a few people some of you may have heard of uh, endorsed this book when it came out a few years ago. I, w- I want to go back one more time to commandment number five about reversing the premise of your opponent's argument and using it against them. We left off there at the end of the last hour. And I, and I, I want to I say one more thing about this commandment. You know, we started off today talking about how I'm not a big fan of the debate over how much like the left should we become to beat the left. Right? You know what? I have I didn't always grow up in the best home. And this is one of the reasons I'm sensitive to this debate is, is my own life. And I remember thinking as a little kid, man, I, I want to grow up and be better than my dad was to me. And I remember sitting watching Empire Strikes Back as a little kid. When Luke goes into that cave in Dagobah, and he and he and the and Vader is there, he's being tested, and his immediate instinct is, "I got to take this guy down right now," right? And he takes him down, decapitates him actually, but then the helmet opens, and whose face is inside? His. That blew my mind as a kid, and it does us no good. To, to try to beat venom with venom, toxin with toxin. One of the things we point out on our show whenever this debate comes up is zero times zero is, is just zero. When you're dealing with people in a movement that want to tear down everything sacred that matters to you, they're fine if you help them along. They don't care. As, as, you know, as long as this thing is, an, is on the ash heap to history, I mean, that's all they care about. You want to help push them, make, you know, push the pile, they're fine with it. But that doesn't mean there's never a time, as I also pointed out at the top of the show, to fight fire with fire. This commandment is the place to do it. This is the place to do it. Let me give you an example. If we're going to set the precedent in our society that the only reason you could possibly have to disagree with Barack Obama's policies when he was president is you're a racist, right? We're going to... Set that precedent? Sure. Okay. Okay. You sure you want that premise? We'll go with it. Right now in the city of Detroit, I'm assuming we're on there because we're on like everywhere else. Right now in the city of Detroit, 8% of the children there, eight, I I just, I can't even, I can't even fathom that. 8% of the children are reading proficient according to the U.S. Department of Education. In the Obama years, by the way, that was, that was their stat when he was president. That was his Department of Ed. Eight percent. Eight. Overwhelmingly, the population of students in the Detroit public schools are black. So therefore, if we are going to, do, let's just play out the math. If we are going to set the precedent, if your premise over there on the left is that the only possible reason I would oppose policies from the from the previous president, we we had more people on food stamps in America under Barack Obama than the total population of Spain. You ever been to Spain, travel there, take a trip, look around? And realize that if you took the entire population of Spain, that would be the amount of people who are on food stamps when Barack Obama was president. 
And the only reason I think that's a bad idea, that's bad for the country and bad for people. Hey, I grew up, we were on food stamps. I remember getting those as a kid. We ate government cheese. I did reduce school lunches. So the only reason you could possibly think it's bad to have more Americans in the richest country on earth on food stamps than the total population of Spain is you're a racist. If that's where we're at now, okay, well, then the only reason you don't want school choice that would free those black kids from those underperforming schools is you're a racist. There cannot possibly be another reason. Why do you hate black kids? Why are you a racist? See, that this is where you do it. You don't match a lie for a lie. You don't water down what you believe. You don't accept their talking points. But I'm all for making the other side live by the standards they want to impose on everybody else. I'm all for that. I'm not lowering my standard for you, but I'm sure as hell going to make you live by yours. Oh, yeah. You want to live by that standard? That's the standard you've articulated. You love misquoting Matthew 7 to me out of context? Judge not lest ye be judged? Without finishing the rest of that verse, which, by the way, Matthew 7 in its proper context is Jesus condemning people of their hypocrisy, their unwillingness to live by the standards that they want to impose on everybody else, which is why I'm totally fine imposing your standard upon you. It's not my standard. You're the one that wanted that standard. I don't want to live in a country where the only possible reason you could disagree with me is you are the lowest form of life on earth. You're racist scum. I, I, don't, I don't want to live in that country, but you said you did. You wanted to live there. So, by the power vested in me, by the freedom of speech, I'm sure as hell going to make you live there. Squalor there. Squat in it. Live in it, breathe it, eat it, swallow it all. Would you like to play a game, every Matthew Broderick? Yes, every last morsel of it you may have, if that's where you want to live. I am, I am perfectly fine letting you live by your own stated standard. That's what that means. Do you have any further thoughts on that, gentlemen? Perfect. Asked and answered. Well done. Let's go to the next commandment. Number six. Never abandon your base unless they're morally wrong. Never abandon your base. See, in politics, if you don't have a base, you don't have anything. You can have name, ID, money. But if you can't develop a base, meaning a primary, in the radio business, we call these people P1s, your primary audience, the people that truly believe in your product. And so they're going to they're gonna give you the best advertising of all, word of mouth. They're going to spread it for you. That's the first goal any politician has to have is a base. That's why Michael Bloomberg is never going to be the Democratic nominee. He can outspend every candidate in the race except for maybe Tom Steyer, who's not going to be the nominee either. Because they can have all the money they want. And if you live in our home state of Iowa right now, you think Tom Steyer owns every television station in the state. Because you cannot turn on a program without a Tom Steyer commercial. And, get, and thanks to the algorithms, if you, if you live in Iowa, you cannot log on to a website or a social media site without being inundated with Tom Steyer inserts and ads. But he has no base. He's not developed an actual base. So you know what he's doing? He's just creating really cool Christmases for media ad buyers 
and media media ad sellers at all of these television stations in Iowa. <laughs> he's making a lot of people rich, but he's not he's not he's not growing a base. You must have a base. Greatest example of this is Ron Paul. I can't think of a politician the system hated more than him over the years. Why was he able to withstand that? Despite sometimes the crazy things he believed and the crazier things he said. Because he had one heck of a loyal base. So you, you have to have a base. Even the Republicans that you maligned believe in this one as fervently because they know they have to lie to you enough right. to make you believe in the power That's of the magic right. R. The only time in the Obama years that the, that the Republicans really took him on, really took him on, was when Antonin Scalia died. Because if they let Barack Obama seat the successor to Antonin Scalia, that's a real game changer on the court. And other than I'm just team GOP, the number one reason you vote Republican is judges. In the 2016 election, in the, in, in the exit polling, the number two issue that decided voters' uh, choices, number one was the economy and jobs, number two, judicial appointments. And among those voters, Donald Trump won those voters by like 25 points. So the Republicans are like, crap, man, we really want a shadow box here like we always do and just, you know, get on Fox and lie to people and just go back home to our brownstones and our our our, our, our watering holes and, and just cash the K Street check. But if, if out in the open and in an election year, if we let Barack Obama seat arguably the greatest conservative justice of the century, Antonin Scalia, if we let Barack Obama in an election year out in the open seat Antonin Scalia's successor, the whole scam is up here. We can't afford that. So on this one, survival instinct took over. We have to fight. It's like my old man used to tell me about the Alamo. One of the main reasons there was so much bravery there, there wasn't a back door. There wasn't a back door out of this one. So the Republicans had to fight Obama on Merrick Garland, and they did. Because they knew if they abandoned their base on this, they were toast. Don't ever abandon your base. They do this, though, all of the time. For those of you shocked, I get calls from media people all the time. Why are all these evangelicals supporting Trump? Why has he got a 90% approval rating amongst Republicans? Doesn't abandon his base. Doesn't always deliver for him now. That's true too. He doesn't always deliver for them. But you're not worried about Donald Trump going to one of his rallies on national television and throwing you under the bus on an issue you care about in that setting. Like you used to worry when George W. Bush was, was on the debate stage with John Kerry. And you like watched with your fingers over your eyes. And when like certain issues come up, you're like, please just don't go to the left of John Kerry. And I'm going to call it a win, please. Right, right. Is that what I'm talking about? Sure. sure. That's that. You cannot abandon your base. Unless they're morally wrong. If they're morally wrong, then the higher law takes over. But if your base isn't morally wrong, you cannot abandon your base. Which means if you're in that Republican base, do you know how much clout you really wield? Why are you the one, man, why do I got to vote for this rhino again? You know, they have these things called primaries. You know, you, you don't have to have that guy again. You don't have to have Lindsey Graham again, John Cornyn again. You don't have to. I mean, you're like doomed to your fate. You're not free to vote until November. You're not free to take part in the process until post-Labor Day every time. 
Because, you know, in philosophy, we have what are called fallacies, which means if one side's assertion is true and the other one's not, the argument's not sound. It's a one-sided argument, okay? So if it's true that you cannot abandon your base and be successful, if that's true, then it must also be true that that base wields an inordinate amount of power. And that base is you. You have the power. Wield it. More of the Glenn Beck program here in a moment. You have heard me talk about Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, and how his pillow has given me a great night's sleep, which I need. Now, from time to time, he'll send me something to try, from pillows to the sheets to the towels. I've loved them all so far. You're the one who have built this into an incredible company and have trusted Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. So Mike wants to do something for you, and that is his Giza Dream Sheets, which are great. He's going to give you an incredible deal. These sheets come with the world's best cotton. They are ultra soft. They're breathable, yet extremely durable. And right now, the Giza Dream Sheets, buy one, get one set free, plus shipping with a promo code back. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. You're going to love it. And if you don't, send them back. It's MyPillow.com. Click on the new radio listener specials to buy one pair of Giza Dream Sheets and get the other one free, plus shipping. There's also deep discounts on all the other MyPillow products that you are just going to love as much as I do. Enter the promo code back or call 800-966-3117 and get the great radio specials. Back here on the Glenn Beck program, we are the crew from the Steve Day Show, noon to 2 Eastern, each weekday after Glenn Beck on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Just search for our name, D-E-A-C-E, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, etc., or blazetv.com slash dace. We left off with commandment number six, never abandon your base unless they're morally wrong. All right, never abandon your base. But the reason why this commandment is in there for those of you that aren't going to run for office but are conservatives is because it's also there to demonstrate how powerful you are. Conservatives are way too passive in the process. Waiting for engineered outcomes from a Republican Party hierarchy that hates you. The only, the only political party I know in America that hates conservatives more than Democrats are the Republicans. And if you want to know the true difference in Washington between the two parties, it's that the Democrats inspire their base to get what they want. And the Republicans conspire against their base to get what they want. So if it is true that if a politician goes against his base, if you want to know, Joe Biden got in this race last spring. Basically running his, his own Make America Great Again ads. All the Americana, right? We saw that stuff and mm-hmm. we were sitting there on our show. We're like, dude, he's, he's nailed it. He's figured, out, figured it out. People want to return to, they, they, they want to blame somebody for the, the divisiveness and they want to Pax Romana and he's coming up the middle with the right message, right? We said that at the time. Sure. Doesn't that seem like it was 10 years ago? Mm-hmm. Pretty sure it was. Because it, it feels like it. Because now he's running on, shut down the entire states of West Virginia and Pennsylvania because of what the temperature might, 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 might be in, in the year Zephram Cochran uh, creates warp speed engine technology so we make first contact with the Vulcans, okay? Might be. Now he's running on uh, applauding kids, parents, when they bring them to their shows and say, hey, what do you think about me castrating my kid and making him a girl? Oh, yeah, great idea. 
Now, now he's, he's just another candidate now. He's just another lefty now. Why? Because he did the math and he figured this is what my base wants and so I got to give him my base what they, I got to give him what they want. Pete Buttigieg soared to heights here in Iowa running on, I'm a veteran. Everybody loves me. I'm from small town USA. I, I'm not a, you know, I, 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 I'm from a community that understands, you know, that you can't always just have the worst motivations and suspicions of those you disagree with politically. And Iowans were like, oh, yes, we're Iowa nice. Not to mention, please give us a chance to show all the people that hate us. We're really not homophobes. Please let me slap another coexist bumper sticker on the back of my cul-de-sac Subaru. Please, 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 please. And it, it, boy, it soared and it worked. But now he's out there in the last couple of weeks telling you that the Constitution was made for racists. Jesus was born into the world a refugee. In other words, he's he sounds like just any other lefty now. Why? Don't abandon your base. Why is Tulsi Gabbard more popular with conservative media than she is her own party? Because they feel like she's abandoned them. That's why. So they've abandoned her. You have that power on the right. You do. I, I don't know why we need to make these guys superheroes. Everybody's the, you know, the vessel of God. What? No, no, no. You're hiring an employee. I know there's going to be a lot of business owners in this audience. When, when you need a sales manager, when you need a, a, a mechanic, are you like, you know what? I think this guy's the next Nebuchadnezzar, who's a bad dude, by the way. No, no, you're just hiring him. You're hiring a mechanic, okay? You have the power. Stop giving it away to politicians. Own the power you have. Make the, make the politicians bend to you. The left base does it. That's why Uncle Joe just now sounds like Comrade Joe. Why doesn't our base do this? You have the exact same power. Use it, though. Or lose it. We've got four more commandments to go. The final four of our Ten Commandments of Political Warfare coming your way here in a moment on the Glenn Beck Program. All right, I want to tell you what I'm getting my wife for Christmas because she sent me an email. And if you don't believe what I say is true when I tell you about the commercials, ask my wife about all of the stuff that we use that you hear me talk about. And with X Chair, I have an X Chair. I have one in the studio. I have one in my office. And my wife sent me an email that said, I want an X Chair for Christmas. And so what happened? I'm laying my head down on my pillow at night and she says, you know, they're $100 off. I'm like, I know, honey, I read the commercials every day. So don't believe me? My wife does. The best chair I've ever sat in, and she sits in my office chair as well. She knows. Right now, you'll save 100 bucks off the model of your choice. Plus, if you use the code XWheels, you're going to receive a free upgrade to the X-Wheel Blade Caster. It's high-performance wheels for your chair. It's xchairbeck.com. That's xchairbeck.com. Or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR. xchairbeck.com.
Back here on the Glenn Beck Program, we are the crew from the Steve Day Show, noon to Eastern after Glenn, here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. That's me, Steve Dace, Todd Erzin, and Aaron McIntyre. And again, if you want to follow up with us after we're done here today, and we bid you adieu as well as the year 2019, blazetv.com slash dace, blazetv.com slash D-E-A-C-E, or look up Steve Dace on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. Let's continue with today's theme, our Ten Commandments of Political Warfare. We've got a few more to go. Let's get to commandment number seven. Define your opponent before they define themselves. And define yourself before your opponent defines you. So define your opponent before they define themselves and define yourself before your opponent defines you. There was a time we did this well. Like, you don't find anybody who identifies themselves really as a liberal anymore. That word was annihilated. And and you can thank... Uh, the the Ronald Reagan presidency, his entire political apparatus, um, Lee Atwater, who ran George Herbert Walker Bush's campaign in 1988 and turned it into took it took it to as Todd you like to say dial that spinal tap up to 11. I mean, liberal was already a bad word in the Reagan 80s, but when when the H W Bush campaign got a hold of it in 1988, I mean, they just won an entire candidacy against Michael Dukakis on he's a liberal card carrying member of the ACLU. The Willie Horton ads, the revolving door, the furloughs, the ridiculous picture of Dukakis in a tank, right? He's just out of the mainstream of America. The word liberal was entirely destroyed. That's why we hear the term progressive now. See, I I think we have to understand that because, you know, what? here's where the term liberal is still is still used in conservative media. You still see the term liberal used a lot. And I think Glenn was one of the first people that kind of transitioned to the notion that these are, this is the, um, you know, the Wilsonian progressivism come to life. The Fabian socialists come to life from the late 18th, early, or late 19th, early 20th centuries. We use the term leftist on our show a lot. Because they're, they're really, I don't believe there really are any liberals anymore. Well, let me rephrase that. I don't think there's a lot of liberals left in elected politics anymore. I think we have a lot of friends and family members who are liberals. Meaning, people that want government to give you the ability to do that which God says is dumb and immoral. That's really what a liberal is. Or someone who thinks government should do for people what they can't do for themselves. Right? That's kind of the traditional sure. definition. We, we all have a lot of the, I mean, I grew up in Michigan. You grew up in Wisconsin. You know, those are we're going to run into all kinds of those kinds of people in a state like that, right? Sure. But do you see a lot of those kinds of people in elected office or on cable news? No, what you see are leftists. What's the difference? The leftist wants a government to compel you to do the things that God says are dumb or immoral, that you will be made to care, as Eric Erickson likes to say. Bend the knee. Yes. You will you will change the way you worship for government. You will change your moral behavior for government. You will change the English language for government. That's what a leftist does. So the liberal wants government to permit you to do stuff that God says is dumb or immoral or to help people do things they can't do for themselves. The leftist wants to use the full coercive 
power of government. The power of government compels you. That's what a leftist is. Now, I ask you, those of you listening to us across the country today, how many of the other people you listen to and read have defined this properly for you? And then how many of them are still partying like it's 1989 in what they say? Or even 2009? You want to have fun this New Year's Eve? Well, not fun fun. More like gallows humor fun. Just go online on YouTube and just start searching for clips, Democrats 2009. And look at the MSNBC 2009, CNN 2009. And see what was being said 10 years ago. And compare it to the stuff that's going on now. Heck, you want to really be gallows humored? Go on to YouTube and type in Fox News 2009. Can I get a witness? That'll preach. Compared to what gets said on that channel nowadays. Okay? So, um, if you have to properly... that's You, you want to know how important this commandment is? We spent three hours yesterday on this commandment. That's what the seven deadly worldviews program we did yesterday was. This. How in the world can you properly defeat an opponent you can't properly define? And then, why do we call people who want to kill children pro-choice? Who came up with that language? The, the baby killers did. Because what do you think sells more better in a focus group? Baby killer or pro-choice activist? What do you think, Polly, goes over better in flyover country? Hmm. Narrowly the latter. Yeah, it's, I, I can see why there might be some confusion. Sure. It's like Dan Brown, the author of The uh, Da Vinci Code. You know, he told you the, the Council of Nicaea. It was a real narrow vote to decide which books were going to make it into the Bible or not. Yeah, I think it was like 348 to 3. I think it was the actual vote or something yeah, really like that. Really narrow. Yeah. I mean, they had several recounts and hanging chads there. The Emperor Constantine had to sift through. We got file footage of that. Constantine holding up chads. Is this one dangling, hanging? I don't know. 348 to 3. I mean, let's do a recount here. Um, yeah. Uh, pro-choice activist is going to sell better than baby killer. So then why would we call them by the term they want to be called? Like when we go on their shows or read their articles... Are we referred to as pro-life or anti-choice, anti-reproductive freedom? We don't get that accommodation. Why do we grant it to them? Again, questions that have no good answer, that probably you're sitting there thinking, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Probably should have done this a, whole, a, long, a long time ago. Yeah. Imagine if we've been doing this stuff the last 25 years how different things would be in America right now. Commandment number eight. Always make always. Again, we love those absolutes. And just as never in the original Greek, neveros means never. Alwaysos means always. Always make your opponent defend their record and belief system. Great example of this in the last presidential primary. It was his one shining moment. But when Rand Paul announced he was going to run for president, the senator from Kentucky, he talked about being pro-personhood, meaning that 
A human being is a person from the moment of conception as defined in the Fifth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution that says no person shall be denied life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Or the 14th Amendment, equal protection under the law for all persons in the United States. Right? That's what that means. Okay? And so right away he was attacked. Uh, who was that? Bride of Frankenstein, crazed woman that ran the DNC. Oh, Debbie and Wasserman Schultz. And rigged it for Schultz. Hillary. Yeah. That's right. Debbie Wasserman Schultz. That's right. She gets He gets attacked by Debbie Wasserman Schultz. I couldn't remember her name. I'm sorry. Bride of Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that triggered. It's, that's right. I buried the lead. That triggered your memory. Oh, yeah. I got that one. Like um, Pavlov's dog. Yes. Okay. And um, she comes at him right away. Six her, um, well, Democrat activists with bylines, otherwise known as reporters, after, after Rand. And he responds back with something along the lines of, tell you what, you go back, I'll answer your question about when is a zygote a human being. If you go ask Debbie Wasserman Schultz, when were the children that she carried to term humans? Go ask her that. Four months at gestation, six, seven, nine months, three seconds before she gave birth. At what point did she consider the children of her, of her own that she carried in her womb? At what point did she consider them to be children? And so a couple of these reporters actually did this. And Debbie Wasserman Schultz performed the age-old political wrestling move known as the tap out. She couldn't get out of this one fast enough. When do you think life begins? When did it begin for your own kids, Deb? Hey, Deb. When were your kids' kids? You defend your belief system. Now, in the New Testament, we are called as, if you're a Christian, you're called by St. Peter to always have a reason or apologia there. That's the Greek word we get apologetics from. To always have reasons for the hope that we have. Reasons to believe. To offer, to offer reason with our faith. And faith with our reason. But it doesn't say to always be on the defensive Having a defense for your beliefs isn't the same as letting yourself get cornered. Because the St. Peter that wrote those words on the day of Pentecost went down to the went downtown on the busy one of the busiest days of the year in full throat and said, um, y'all need to turn or burn. That's what's up. Turn or burn. Jesus is the reason for the season, turn or burn. And I'm here to tell you, give you the what's for, and that's what's up. Now that's going on offense. You're not, you're not playing defense when you're down there jumping on a box, saying to the crowd, I got a little something, something for you. And here it is. You ready? So yeah. when they whine, that's offensive, Steve, you say. That's right, it is. Yes, the truth is often offensive. Yes. Yes. So it, there's a difference between having a defense for what you believe, but being on the defensive. If there, is, if there is one of these tactics this president does exceedingly well is that he rarely gets caught on the defensive bias detractors. Do not, do not feel like you have to constantly be the one. You know, the culture is like a jury box. Yes, at times you will be called to the stand and you'll have to testify and be cross-examined. But you know what? The other side has to go to the stand and be cross-examined too. You don't like my belief system? You don't like the Constitution? You think it's forged by a bunch of racists? 
You think the, 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 the Judeo-Christian worldview and moral systems, the heteronormative patriarchy, cool. What do you want instead then? Lay it out. Show us. Right. Unveil before us what your plan therefore is. Because if you aren't willing to do this with transgenderism in this day and age, you don't deserve to have a culture, quite frankly. If you want to know how devastating this tactic is, look at Elizabeth Warren's presidential campaign. Three months ago, she was the heavy favorite to be the Democratic nominee. And it has collapsed ever since she was forced to do what? Defend her own record and belief system. Hey, this Medicare for all plan, do the math. Show us how this is going to work. So being the true Marxist believer from Wellesley College for Women, she is. She did. And people are like, screw that noise. (laughs) I don't want that. No, make them defend what they believe, at least for a change. More in a moment here on the Glenn Beck Program. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Mortgage rates are so low right now, it is truly the right time to review your financial goals and set the course for your family's future. My choice is American Financing. They're a family-owned national mortgage banker with a salary-based mortgage consultant, so they're in it for you. If it's your goal to purchase a new home, maybe you could use a little more space or you're downsizing, they can help. If you're looking to consolidate debt into one low payment or just reduce your interest rate to pay less over the life of your loan, American Financing can save you thousands of dollars. And if you're in a variable rate loan, I urge you, get into a fixed rate. American Financing, the only lender I endorse, the people I trust. No commission, no upfront fees, and no pressure. They'll cover you coast to coast in 10 minutes. 800-906-2440. That's 800-906-2440. Or online at AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS 182334, NMLS, org. We've got two more quickly of our Ten Commandments of Political Warfare to get to. Number nine, stay on message. Don't get off message. Stay on message. When you have a winning message, don't change the subject. Play the hits. People like to play the like to hear the hits. All right, I'm not going to a Def Leppard concert to hear your new stuff because Joe Elliott can't sing anymore. All right, if I'm going to hear Joe Elliott blow out his larynx, I want to hear it on photograph and uh, pour some sugar on me. Not some song they wrote for the Behind the Music special on VH1 last year, right? Stay on message and play the hits, right? I'm going to go watch Elton John in concert. I want to hear some Tiny Dancer, some Rocket Man, some Saturday Night's All Not Right for Fighting, right? I don't, I don't really want to hear what he thought, you know, looking at on Golden Pond last, last month. I'm not here for that. I, w- I want to hear him screech his way through the hits. So stay on message. Make, right? make red baseball hats, pass them around, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Stay on message. Yes. And then commandment number 10, play offense. Nothing inspires your base more than that is if you are on offense, people rally to you when they see you're on offense. All right. Stay on offense. Gentlemen, that pretty much wraps it up for the last two days. Want to thank um, uh, the whole team here uh, at the Glenn Beck program both uh, with The Blaze and Premier for giving us an opportunity to do this the last couple of days. It's been uh, a tremendous amount of fun. Uh, I'm usually in the basement this time of year on vacation. You, you couldn't get me out of the basement for just anything, but a chance to, to be a part of this program uh, the last two days and do it with the two of you was too good to pass up. Did you guys have fun? A blast. Oh, yeah. Yes. 
Definitely. Any final pithy, wise words you want to impart to this audience in case they never hear from us ever again? Take to heart what we said. This isn't just show filler. Um, 2020 is going to be nuts. You need to be equipped for it. Yeah. Uh, Know thine enemy and uh, know how to fight back with that in mind. And don't forget, if you like what you heard here and you want to hear more, blazetv.com slash dace, D-E-A-C-E, blazetv.com slash dace. You can also follow me on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Subscribe to our podcast. Just look up my name, Steve Dace, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and more. We've got a channel up on YouTube with lots of highlight clips as well. Uh, And email me, steve at stevedace.com. I hope all of you have a great new year and a rest of your holiday. Until the next time we see or hear from one another, John 317.